Hey, thank you for listening to the Real Perspectives podcast. If you like this episode, please follow us and tell one of your colleagues about the interview you're about to hear or have heard in the past. We hope you enjoy our conversations and that you'll listen to others in our library. If you have any thoughts, ideas, or suggestions, please reach out. We'll do our best to incorporate them. Thanks again. Welcome to the Real Perspectives Podcast. I am your host, co-founder and publisher of the registry, Vladimir Bosanets. If you are joining us for the first time, welcome to our show. We hope that you will find the following interview interesting enough to share with your colleagues. And for those of you who are coming back, thank you for joining us again. Today, we have the honor of speaking with Virginia Maggiore, the principal at RDC. Since joining the firm in 2019, Virginia has built the firm's practice focused on retail store rollout and planning, adding notable clients to the firm's roster and garnering accolades for her work from colleagues and clients. Virginia is a licensed architect responsible for developing the in-store experience and what the firm calls the customer journey. She's focused on creative strategy, visual communication, and marketing integration for retail clients. One of her recent specialties, which we'll cover in depth in this conversation, is with the cannabis industry. Founded in 1979, RDC is a full-service architecture firm dedicated to making everyday places extraordinary. Headquartered in Long Beach, California, the firm has a 160-plus team with offices in Los Angeles, San Diego, Washington, D.C., Arkansas, and Shanghai. Welcome to the podcast, Virginia. Virginia, good afternoon. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great, Vlad. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Where do we find you today? Where are you? I'm at home in San Diego, in Carlsbad, North County, okay. San Diego. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. All right. Um, Virginia, sort of as a background, I ask all of our guests to uh, you know, say hello and, 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 sort of in, and, and, and introduce themselves, kind of talk a little bit about you know, the background in the industry, how they got to where they are, right? So I'll give you that opportunity as well. Tell us a little bit about, you know, you and your work and sort of how, how you got to RDC. Great. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, so my background, um, I'm an architect. I went to school for architecture. Um, I moved to New York after that, New York City, and got brought into the world of retail um, store rollouts. Um, I loved it. I love the speed. I love the amount of projects we do. Um, I worked for um, six years for a coach in New York, another three years for a company called Steve Wonder out of New York. Um, between those two companies, I worked both internationally and domestically, um, opening stores, um, got picked up by Guest Jeans in LA and moved to California for them, worked for them for five years, opening stores all over the world for them too. Um, really love retail architecture. Um, Found, found myself wanting to a little bit more diversity in my experience and my career. So I started to look, you know, I was a licensed architect. So I started to look for architecture firms that might have a need um, and interviewed with a few that already had retail programs. But what I really loved about RDC was they didn't, they, they had nothing. They didn't have okay. anyone doing this. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is really cool. I could kind of make it what I want it to be and use my experience yeah. from the brand side to say like, who's the perfect architect that I would hire, right? When yeah. I was on that side. So 
I got to set up this whole team and they gave me a ton of runway to do it. And um, it's been great. I've been here about three and a half years now. Okay. And this is now a separate practice for you guys. Is that correct? It's a new practice. Yeah. Even though we're called RDC Retail Design Collaborative, it was retail in a grander sense, um, like shopping malls, urban infill, big centers of, of retail. Um, not really the tenant um, improvement retail that I specifically do. Um, so I brought in all this new business to them um, doing retail rollouts for, for national brands. Yeah. And where do you guys, uh, where are you active? Active all across the U.S. So I'm Anytown, USA. I can I can work for a national brand, um, and they tell me they want to open in Iowa or California or Florida, and, and we follow them there. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. And then tell us a little bit about RDC as an organization. So what what other areas um, you know are, are under its umbrella? You know what else does the company do? you know, where, where it's sort of, you know, basic or where it's sort of, you know, major areas of, of expertise and, and also offices. Yeah, absolutely. So our RDC's main office is in Long Beach, California. Uh, we have about 150 people out of that office. We have a smaller office in San Diego, um, a small office in um, Arkansas and um, a medium sized office in DC. Um, so we specialize in, in all things retail. Um, and like I said, so big retail. So we do um, shopping malls, urban centers. Um, we, we really pride ourselves on, on design at the human scale, you know, the narrative of design and, and our projects reflect that, um, you know, that design sensibility for these, for these large retail projects. And I think that's why, why we get hired. Um, yep. We also do um, our studio 111 also does some, um, uh, housing um and um civic projects as well okay okay mm -hmm. so um retail like any other part of the commercial real estate industry has been impacted throughout the last couple of years to say the least right mm -hmm. um tell us about that you know what's been your experience and you know uh you've been with the company now about three and a half years you said so you joined just before mm -hmm. kind of covid hit right um yeah. tell us about the before era and the now era and maybe the era in between and sort of how you guys managed through that yeah i think we fared pretty well during the pandemic um a couple of our projects that were ongoing you know we got to you know with construction being a central business we got to finish those out which was really creative ways of, of keeping construction going during the pandemic and with site visits and everything. Um, and we have a big marketplace team too. So grocery stores, also essential businesses and, and them wanting to do renovations and kind of um, cater to online purchases or, or curbside pickups, you know, and kind of ch physically change their space to accommodate those. They, they brought us into those projects as well. So that was a big channel of business for us during the pandemic. Um, but really just like, I think there's a lot of pent up energy from the pandemic, pent up CapEx, you know, these companies were online, they were making sales, you know, people were buying online. So, but they weren't spending their CapEx in their brick and mortar spaces. Yeah. So in the yeah. last year, we've just seen this real big increase in pipeline, uh, for, you know, projects. And, and for the next few years, I have really strong pipelines from several clients that wanting to open brick and mortar stores. Yeah, interesting. Now, uh, th there's there's a lot there that I want to cover. Um, but one of the things that um, is interesting to me is is that uh, pipeline because of the trends that have occurred since COVID, or has this been kind of a 
kind of an ongoing, you know, trans transition even prior to COVID, right? We we saw a lot of changes within within retail. So I would love to understand sort of from your point of view where where that's originating and where it's coming from. Yeah, I think with the the um the pent up capex that I talk about as a result of the pandemic, sure. But the the rush to be in brick and mortar was definitely happening before the pandemic. That's not a result of the pandemic. I work with a lot of direct-to-consumer brands that had a strong online presence. They have the data to know where their customers are and purchasing uh, because they're shipping to them. So they are really able to pinpoint, hey, we need a brick and mortar location in Houston, or we need one in San Francisco, um, you know, because that's where our client is. So we want to be there. Um, and the trend really was towards, you know, this kind of showroom aesthetic, right? You can still purchase online. But come and look and feel at the product, try it on, sit on it. You know, we have furniture brands or jewelry brands, you know, that we're online that we're working with that this showroom model for them is really important um, to engage with their customers. And this may be a very basic question and, you know, ob- obvious to you, but just for the sort of sake of our of our audience, um, you know, uh, E-commerce was such a such a sort of you know big deal in the last decade, if you will, right? And a lot of new companies popped up that were sort of disrupting the world of you know eyeglasses and t-shirts and hats mm-hmm. and whatever else, right? But all of a sudden, there was a big need for them to also have a physical presence. Now, this is before COVID, even, right? What what do you think drove that? Why why was it so necessary for them to also have that aspect of it? Um, it's that it's the it's appealing to, to more of the senses, right? To, to give your brand credibility, to build trust with your consumers, right? You have a, a place where they can go and see your products and feel them. And it's not making a purchase online and it ships to their house and, you know, and then maybe they're not happy with it and they ship it back. You know, I think building that trust and credibility saying like, Hey, there's a place where we're showcasing everything we make and we're so we're proud of it. Um, that it's here and it's open, you know, we're not hiding behind the internet, you know, here with a crappy product, you know, it's, it's about building that trust, I think. Interesting. And I know this probably started a little bit when Apple decided to kind of launch into, into the retail space, which is, I think, you know, monumental in so many ways. Do, do you know, um, by, by chance from any of these brands and, you know, maybe you don't need to, you know, name anybody specifically, but have they actually noticed an increase in, you know, sales, increase in, you know, penetration of their of their brand in general by opening physical, you know, physical spaces? Um, is it now essentially table stakes again? Absolutely. I mean, I think, again, like a lot of my clients are chasing the data that they already have from their online customers to know where their customers are. So when when they open a store there, you know, they build that trust, they build that credibility, but they also drive even more sales, right? Right. Now they have someone, a place for their already their fan base to go and get the product. Yeah, yeah. In those in those uh, cir- cir- circumstances, does the physical presence, does the physical store then become more like a like a like a you know catalog, a live catalog you can walk into? It, it, in some cases, I'm sure you know you can buy the product there, but in some cases, like you know furniture, for instance, maybe you don't buy it on the spot mm-hmm. and put it in your car, but you maybe order it and it gets to your house the same day or next day. H- have you noticed those those uh, trends to be very prevalent also? Yes, absolutely. And it's it's kind of having a f- rippling effects into real estate too. Like brands don't need as much 
space if they're not carrying inventory in the store, right? right? So it is really a showroom model or, you know, on the converse, it could be a distribution, a local distribution center for them. So not only are they selling out of that back of house, but they're also distributing online orders out of that same back of house too. So these back of house functions are, are changing and, and modifying. And I work with my clients on that too, of like, how much space do you need for yeah. your, just your online orders, let alone your, your, you know, front of house orders. Yeah. And I'm, I imagine that technology is also a big component of, you know, that as well. Do you also work with them on helping sort of figure out what is the sort of backend, you know, component, um, the inventory management systems and that kind of stuff, uh, that, that, that are part of that too. Is, is that part of what, what you guys do also, or, or you work with partners that sort of in, install that kind of thing? Yeah, they all usually have their own POS and inventory management system because it's linked to, to bigger, you know, other distribution centers and backend, you know, services that they use at a corporate level. So I don't, I could recommend, but I don't really get into specifying that. Yeah. Um, we do talk about like what the customer experience is like and what the transaction process is like. So is it like an Apple store, right? Where you're standing at the same table and they just like whisk a bag out from under it. And, you know, it's all kind of magic. You don't have to go to another um you know, a central uh, checkout station for that. So I do, I'd like to talk to them about that because that is like space planning. So I need to know what that customer journey is and what that transaction process is like yeah. for them. Yeah. And these were trends that we were, you know, talking about now that that were already starting, you know, before COVID essentially, right? What have you seen, seen during the last two and a half years? Have you seen any of these, um, you know, trends uh, be amplified even more? Um, and if so, what, what, what are they? Where, where, where have you f uh, seen, you know, companies put a lot more effort towards? Um, since the pandemic, um, you know, like really soon after the pandemic, we were still like saying like, oh, how can we keep people six feet apart or are people touching the same object in the store? And do we need to sanitize it between, um, but really I haven't seen any tricklings into like the physical space other than just like the space needs to, again, kind of what I touched on earlier of like, are you distributing online orders from your back of house or from your front of house? Or is there a customer curbside pickup? Um, and, and really that's kind of grown too. I have a lot of um, customers interested, you know, and asking me like, did you, did, did you see where online we could run to the, we could send a staff out to run to the curb, you know, from our, you know, the space inside a mall, you know, how long is that? You know, I've never been asked that before, but they're, they're really looking into that now because, you know, people order online and want to just drive up, and have somebody run their products out to them, their car. Yeah, and and those behaviors have have changed, right? I mean, you know, three yeah. years ago, maybe no, nobody was doing that, right? And now it's sort of a kind of a standard standard thing, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Have you noticed that their footprint then would have to be kind of you know also different? Like, do they want the back end of the store to exit into an alley, and that's where the pickups are? You know, like that kind of thing. Yeah, um, absolutely. Where they're looking with mall op op operators, how mm -hmm. to op optimize some of that space. Absolutely, yeah. That's definitely a result of of the pandemic, or just the way you know um, purchases are trending these days, and and the customer expectation of like instant gratification. I can order it now, and I'm going to go pick it up at the store, and I'll have it within an hour. So right. I, you know, yeah, I was never asked before about like what's how quickly can my staff run something out to someone's car, and now I'm being asked to look at that when I'm surveying spaces. So yeah, 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 yeah. Um, what else? What other trends have you have you noticed uh, that have you know come to the forefront? You know, since 
since since the pandemic. Um, how, how would you characterize sort of the retail space, you know, now and today? Right. I mean, these you know the retail space is really like a branded touch point, right? It is your your front door to your customer. And there's so many businesses kind of selling the same products. So I see this trend towards like just being like incredibly unique, like mattress companies. There's a bunch of mattress companies out there right now, right? They'll all ship them to your house rolled up in a bag, but um, they all want, you know, showrooms and they, so it's like, how do you set yourself apart, right? It's not just the quality of your mattress, but what are you offering? You know, are you offering their coffee bar perhaps inside or maybe an educational class or a, a room where people can do meditations on your mattresses, um, you know, so it's like, how are you setting yourself apart and with your competitors? And across all brands, I see that, um, you know, no matter what they're selling, it's like, what makes us different? If we're selling right. furniture, what, you know, what in the, in the retail store could make us different too. So I see this kind of like, I, you know, putting different ideas together, different services together in the retail space. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, are certain parts of the industry, you know, more open to that than than others? So, you know, you you know mentioned mattresses, but you know, mm -hmm. banks, uh, I don't know, travel agencies, if those exist anymore. I'm just sort of, yeah. you know, are are others kind of really, you know, trying to de de define a new way that they interact with their clients? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's services, right? So it's not just the transaction or the consumer product, but what services align with your brand too. Like you mentioned eyeglasses, right? You can buy eyeglasses online, but now they all have an optometrist where you're going in there and getting your glasses too, but that's a service, right? You can't get an optometry appointment online. You have to come into a brick and mortar space. So thinking about what is the complement to your brand and what you can bring into your space is yeah. really important. Yeah. Are there any uh, types of new retail businesses that have popped up that that are you know unique, interesting? That are um, you know something that's also been core to what you guys do? Um, yeah, we're we're working a lot within the cannabis industry right now. Um, we're doing dispensaries um, in many different states as states open up and as cities release their regulations and their licenses. We're we're following a lot of our clients are getting new business that way. It's a really intriguing market. Um, I think it's. You know, I, if anyone needs to set themselves apart and make themselves unique, it's in that industry. So there's a lot of creativity behind it in the retail space, for sure. Yeah. Are you noticing um, for right now, obviously, they're only legal in the states where, you know, cannabis is actually legal, right? Um, are you noticing them thinking about sort of other geographies as either regulation comes on board or they're ready to expand into a certain area thinking that, something's going to be on the ballot next November or that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, how quickly are they thinking about expansion um, as a, as a, as a category? There are, um, there's multi-state operators or MSOs that are expanding as states open up and as cities open up and release the licenses. They are going right behind them. They're ready. They're poised. They have teams of people on that. I also have clients who are just wanting to open one, maybe two in their neighborhood. They're just going to own or operate um, and they do want a unique experience, but they don't have those visions to to go any bigger than that. Yeah. I imagine uh, on, you know, cannabis, you know, specifically it has kind of a, uh, you know, reputation of being like this, you know, seedy transaction, right? <laughs> um, but obviously that's evolved. That's very different today, right? Especially because it is it is legal. Tell us sort of how that industry has adopted, you know, some of these trends that you've described in, you know, retail and um, maybe some things that have, you know, surprised you even about that. 
Absolutely. It's, it's such a surprise. It's, it changes every day. It's so, it's such a great industry to be in right now because um, it is just growing and expanding and really you're right. There's a stigma, right? We're, we're trying to get p- a lot of people um, as states open up over the stigma of cannabis being illegal, right? And people were criminalized for it, right? So now it is legal and you can purchase it and it's medicinal and it could help you. So education becomes very important in your space. What is your products? Why are your products great? What can they help me with as a customer? Um, You know, and the the branded environment too, making people feel like they're in the right space, right? That, That starts from your curb appeal, right? Like, welcoming facade and storefront of a beautiful lobby space where you know a smiling face greets them and asks them what you know what they're here for and gets to know them you know wayfinding signage in the space so they can educate themselves on on the products they like um, or you know whether it's self-guided experience or guided with with a a knowledgeable staff Um, there's just so much happening and again like as cities open up, you know, you could be right down the street from your competitor. So what sets you right. apart? You know, what, what is your, what is your brand? Um, why is someone going to come back to you aside from your product offering? You know, why, why are they coming back to your retail space? Yeah. And I imagine because of its novelty, it's also an industry that's experimenting with stuff, right? So would you say that they're really kind of pushing the envelope in terms of this kind of retail experience a little bit. Um, uh, w- what has been, you know, your, your uh, experience there? Absolutely. Um, again, going back to the idea of like the, what, what complements your service, right? I have, we have clients that want are just really into art and they wanted half to sort of be an art gallery. Right. And the products are right next to the art that maybe the artist was using at the time, or maybe they have a, some similarity between them. So it's it's this beautiful art space. So it just like elevates everything about the product and the experience because now you're in an art gallery and they have local artists rotating every month through the, the collection. I have another um, dispensary we worked on in Los Angeles that wanted a recording studio in it because they were really okay. into music. Uh, <laughs> okay. you know, they, they wanted, they're right down from um, the Hollywood Bowl. So they were like really into music. They think this is who they want to appeal to. And so they're like, let's put a recording studio in the dispensary. Like, okay, great. You know, that's complimentary to their brand, you know, for them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you, is this one of the sort of retail categories that in your experience is one of the fastest growing? Um, it, yeah. And and if so, do you have any like, you know, numbers in terms of, you know, wh- where where it's headed? Um, not, I don't know that I have exact numbers because it's really as the states and cities open them up because it's the city can determine how many licenses they, licenses sure. they give out or they don't have to adopt it at all, right? It's even if it's legalized at the state level, states, cities don't have to approve it. Um, so, you know, I think they're missing some huge tax incentives, <laughs> but just just huge, just like major states are opening up. New York just opened up, New Jersey just opened up. I mean, just like major numbers behind them, just in like how many licenses they're giving out, the, the revenue that they can generate through this, the taxes that the states will collect, you know, I think like, it's just a big miss for states that aren't legalizing it yet. Yeah. They're, they're and, and, that. and I meant also like, what, what does this mean for you guys? So maybe in 2020 oh, you did five, but now you're doing 200, uh, you know, you know, like, you know, where, where is that pace of uh, change happening? Right. Yeah, no, I wish, I wish I could do 200. Um, I think, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think probably we're doing like 
bespoke like new design dispensaries, probably two or three a year. We'll probably see okay. that same clip next year. And then within that, are we rolling out multiple locations for people? Yeah, probably for some of our clients up to 10 a year would be a right. great clip for us. Right, right, yeah. right. I'm I'm always curious. I'm was born and raised in Europe, so I kind of have this other sort of, you know, I've, I've seen things done slightly, you know, differently than than, you know, they 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 are in the US. I'm 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 always curious, have you taken cues also from other places and other geographies um uh, that have helped you in your retail world and 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 if so, you know, what were some of the most interesting ones that that you can highlight? Oh yeah, I mean absolutely. I mean Europe, uh, Japan, uh, you know the the Asian countries do retail so well, just like very chic environments um, and displays and, and customer service as well. Um, as far as you know, going back to cannabis, like in talking about consumption lounges too, you know, thinking of, of you know Amsterdam and that they've always been around, you know. So sure. <laughs> now there's such a novelty here, and they're so new, and there's so few and far between. I think you know we designed one in San Francisco, right, and it takes a lot of research, you know, to, to understand like, you know, what people are going to be doing in this space. It's kind of like a bar, but we're not serving alcohol and we, people can't stay that long. Right. You know, so you got to kind of have turnover too. So there was a lot of research that, that had to be done uh, around that. Yeah. 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 So uh, let's uh, uh, kind of uh, switch subjects a little bit here. Um, kind of seeing, you know, you know, everything over the last few years, how the world has evolved, not just in retail, but just in, you know, general. Um, how is RDC kind of looking at, you know, the next cycle? You know, what what are you guys doing to, you know, essentially prepare yourself for for the future, you know, whether that's, you know, post COVID, you know, uh, COVID to COVID agnostic or how we want to call it. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm curious, you know, what, what are the things that you guys think are going to be really important for a firm like yours to be prosperous? Mm -hmm. Right. It's, it's, again, going back to, I just see this pipeline from my current clients that for the, probably through 2025, 2026, just like opening stores was really strong. I'm hoping it sticks around and it's, you know, we keep working on it for them. Um, you know, so we're staffing up We're we're trying to keep our current clients. Um, and I work on a lot of rollout work. So that's kind of the same store, but different city, different real estate. So that's where the challenge is. And that's what store planning is. And then also kind of balancing that with the bespoke design. So really attracting some of these new brands that are new to the brick and mortar um, market. Maybe they have an online presence, but they don't have any physical presence and keeping kind of the balance of that, of, of doing a, a, several of those a year too, I think, because they turn into rollouts for us too. Um, but really like leaning in on our design expertise and creating a retail, a scalable retail environment for them. Yeah. What's really interesting about what you said there is that, you know, I think retail was one of these sectors that once COVID hit was probably, you know, impacted immediately the most, right? Mm -hmm. um, and everybody was sort of saying, okay, this is it. You know, we're, we're, <laughs> this is really going to kill retail. Yeah. But, but in many ways, you're saying you're, you're very active and you're very busy. And it sounds like a lot of it is from innovation, but a lot of it is from companies thinking about how to, you know, reposition themselves going, going forward also. Is that, is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, you know, yeah. Post COVID and, you know, I hear the word recession and I know I don't want to bring it up, but like, I don't <laughs> see it. Right. I keep hearing it, but I don't see it in the pipelines that, that they have. And again, that may be from the pent up capex. They weren't able to spend 
during COVID and they're like, okay, I wanted to open 10 stores in those two years and I didn't get to. So now I'm going to open 20 in the next three years. Um, and they, you know, they, they still want to expand their footprint. They still want to go out and be where their customer wants them to be. Um, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm hopeful. I don't, I don't see any lag right now. Yeah. 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 Good. And then what are some of the trends that you would say are going to be significant, you know, going, going forward, how will retail be defined in the next, I don't know, five years or so? Right. Um, I see again, like services that people, you know, things people can't get online. Right. And it's, it goes to the showroom model of like touch and feel. It goes to complimentary services that might be part of your brand. Or if you are a service brand, you know, um, having more locations so that you can service your clients. Um, there's a lot of trends in, in medical and boutique medical, uh, boutique veterinary, everybody got a pandemic puppy. Um, so there's this, you know, boutique veterinary opening. There's, there's legacy vets opening. I see big, big pipeline from them. And then um, also these boutique, you know, opening across the U.S. as well. Um, so those are, those are some major trends. Interesting. Yeah, mm -hmm. very interesting. Mm -hmm. um, I like to close our conversation with a little bit of a you know perspective on sort of you know your 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 background and advice that you would maybe give to your younger self. You know, if if there are people that are coming into this industry and you know want to help design in retail, uh, not only should they look at RDC for your job postings, but you know what what advice do you want? To, you know, would you would you give somebody you know trying to kind of break into this space and you know uh, things that that you've learned along the way that you wish you knew? Absolutely, I love this. Um, yeah, just just jump in, fake it till you make it. You're gonna, you know, <laughs> take on more than you can handle because that's how you learn, right? And and really go, you know, hustle. You know, I spent a lot of time in New York. I have the New York hustle in me for sure. Even though I'm in California now, I still have that New York hustle. It's like just take on what you can, expose yourself, talk to your superiors, say, "What other thing can I do? What can I be challenged with?" You know, do it well. Invest the time when you're young too, because it pays off. You know, you 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 get all this experience you're going to be more valuable, you know, the, as you go along in your career. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Well, uh, Virginia, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. This was uh, very helpful and uh, best of luck in your new endeavors. Thank you so much, Vlad. Great to talk to you too. Thank you for listening to the Real Perspectives podcast. Stories like these help us shape our understanding of the industry, and we appreciate you taking the time to listen to it. Please follow us on any app where you get your podcasts and tell your colleagues about us. Thank you in helping us spread the word about our work and the industry that is changing the face of business. Mm -hmm.